0: Now, today is the last day of a four-week series that we've called, Be Still. Remember, in the very first series, week one, we looked at Psalm 46.10 that says, Be still and know that I am God. And in that, that message, we talked about God's presence, that sometimes we need to be reminded of God's presence in the midst of anxious times. And then in weeks two and three, we looked at Exodus chapter 14, and in verse 14, It says, the Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. And we talked in that message about God's protection. There are times when we all need God's protection, we need to be reminded that God's going to fight this battle for you, you just need to be still. That was weeks two and three. Today, we're going to be looking at another be still passage, and today we'll be focusing on God's power. Now, this be still passage is different from the other ones that we've looked at in Psalm forty six. 10, God spoke to his people, and he told his people, be still. In Exodus 14, 14, Moses spoke on behalf of God, and he spoke to God's people, and he told them to be still. But in our text today, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus doesn't speak to anybody in particular. In fact, he speaks to the storm, and he tells the storm to be still. Now, if you don't think that's relevant, you you must not be in a storm. I mean, would you like it for for the Lord Jesus to speak to the storm you're living in, the storm you're going through, and speak to that storm and say, be still. That's what we're talking about today. Really what we're talking about today, we're looking at the tension between faith and fear. There is this constant tension, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is this this constant tension between what you believe, what you have claimed by faith, And what you are experiencing in life. This tension between faith and fear. And I can tell you from personal experience. And I can tell you uh, from experience as as a pastor for 31 years. This tension between faith and fear can be exhausting. Exhausting spiritually. Exhausting physically. Exhausting emotionally. Because you know what you believe. You know what you're hanging on to. But then you also know what you're going through. And what you're going through sometimes causes there to be a pull against your faith. You see, the biggest enemy to your faith is fear. When the doctor says you're fired, um, the doctor says you have cancer, when the boss says you're fired, when, when the spouse says it's over, when the bank says we're going to foreclose, f- watch watch ha- look up here, fear starts pulling against our faith. And that tension is real, and that tension is ongoing. And we wonder sometimes, why doesn't God do anything? Does God even care about what I'm going through? I want to tell you something. If you know that tension, if you're living in that tension, I want you to know something. You're in good company. Because the first followers of Jesus felt that tension too. Let's look today in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and, and rather than read the text, I'm going to walk through it verse by verse, and then make some applications at the end. Uh, first of all, let me state that you can learn a lot about a text when you're studying your Bible. You can learn a lot about a text just by asking questions, simple questions like where, when, why, those kind of questions. So that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to start with the when question. When did this occur, this this thing we're going to be reading about. Let's look at verse 35. There are two when references. I want you to notice in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, there are two when references there. The first one is that day. And if you had the time to go back to chapter 4, verse 1, you'd find out that throughout chapter 4 that he had spent a a lot of time preaching and teaching that day. It had been a very full and busy day of ministry. And the Bible seems to indicate in the book of Matthew that he had gone back to Capernaum. He had healed a lot of people. That day was a very full and very busy day. And then it says, when evening came, they decided to go to the other side. Just note right now that... What we're about to read occurred at night. We'll look at the significance of that later, but just want you to follow that away. That's talking about when it occurred at night. Remember that. Now, another question is where? Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And if we're looking at the question where, we would say the other side of What? Again, if you go back to chapter 4, verse 1, you find out that they're on the edge of the the Sea of Galilee. The Bible calls it, chapter 4, verse 1, a lake. And they're on the edge of that lake, or the Sea of Galilee. And that lake, that Sea of Galilee, is 13 miles long, and it's about 8 miles wide at its widest point. And the disciples were there with Jesus, and he says, let's go to the other side of the lake. And let's see what happens in verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Now, I'm reading between the lines here a little bit. But it says, they took him along as he was, put him in the boat. A lot of these disciples were originally fishermen. They had spent a lot of time on that lake. They had spent a lot of time in a boat. They knew how to handle a boat. And in my mind, it's kind of like, okay, now we're getting into our comfort zone. Come on, Jesus, we know how to do this one. You come sit down with us here. You sit right back here. We'll take care of things. Now we're getting into our comfort zone as they go out across this lake. And then we ask the what question. Verse 37. What happened as they took Jesus out across this lake? Verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now the Sea of Galilee is 680 feet below sea level and it is surrounded by hills and mountains if you ever go there it's a beautiful beautiful place but it's surrounded by mountains and the winds blow over those mountains and down across the body of water and many times it causes a violent storms and they can come up very very quickly even in today's time that still happens dr howard hendricks tells the story of once being over there and he said a storm came up in a matter of 10 minutes a very big storm just in a matter of 10 minutes Warren Wiersbe says that when he was over there one time, he asked an Israeli tour guide, have you ever seen a a violent storm come up quickly on this lake? And the Israeli tour guide threw up his hands and said, oh yes, and I never ever want to go through that again. So this still happens even today. Now in Matthew's gospel, as he describes this storm, Matthew describes it this way. He says it came up without warning. In other words, get this picture. The disciples are in the boat. They're in their comfort zone. They tell Jesus, you just rest, and we'll go to the other side. And all of a sudden, without warning, this violent storm erupts on the Sea of Galilee. Without warning. You know, you don't usually get advance notice when bad things are going to happen, do you? You don't usually get a card in the mail or a phone call that says, now next week, get ready. No, usually, most of the time, it catches a catches us off guard, most of the time we don't see it coming, most of the time we get blindsided by it and I want you to notice how Mark describes this, this storm that kind of caught them off guard, this storm that came up all of a sudden, Mark refers to it in verse 37 as a, a furious squall this was not your average storm in fact this this was the type storm, the Greek word is, uh, has the idea it's the same word from which we get our our word, earthquake from. So this was a storm that was shaking. This was a storm that was violent. And these disciples, all of a sudden, though they had spent their life on that lake, they are terrified in this violent storm. Now, remember when this occurred? When did this, occur? When did this storm come up? At night. Everything is worse at night, isn't it? Everything is scarier at night. Remember when you were just a little kid and you could lay on your bed in the afternoon and take a nap and not have a problem? But at night, that's when the monsters came out. I mean, they call them nightmares. I, I don't, they don't call them daymares. You have nightlights. You know why you have nightlights? Because the darkness can be scary. See, the disciples were not just in a furious storm. They were in a furious storm at night. The text says the boat was nearly full of water. That's what it means when it said it was swamped. It was nearly full of water. It was nearly about to to sink. Just think of the waves crashing against this boat and splashing over the side. And you can't do anything to stop it. And every wave that slams against the boat and splashes over the side is filling the boat up more and more. And the boat is getting closer and closer to sinking. And the boat is bouncing up and down with the waves and rocking this way and that way. And the disciples are literally hanging on for their lives and in the middle of that ordeal somebody turns around to look at Jesus and he's asleep I'm not making this up I mean it's in verse 38 I, look what it says Jesus was in the stern that is in the back he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion can we all agree everybody look here Everybody, look here. can we all agree this is not normal right right the disciples are terrified. They're, they are about to, to die in this body of water. They think the, they are about to sink, and Jesus is asleep. Now, I think that shows two things I'll just touch on real quickly. First of all, I think it shows his humanity. Have you ever been just, remember it says that day, that day he had a very busy day, that day he had an an exhausting day, that day he had been very, very busy. Have you ever had one of those days where you came home and you were so busy and you were so tired, you went to bed like at 8 o'clock. You were just exhausted. I think this shows his humanity that even in the middle of the storm, that day it had been a long day, that day had been a hard day, and he was asleep because he was human and he was tired. I think this also shows his divinity. Because though he was human, who is also 100% God. And, and as God, why would he be afraid of a storm? He could sleep through that. He's got nothing to worry about. He's God. But the disciples are not God. And so they see that he's asleep. And they decide that he shouldn't be sleeping through this storm. So they go and wake him up. And, and here's what they do in verse 38. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I want to underline that phrase, that question. Don't you care? Have you ever wondered if God cares about what you're going through? Have you ever thought, maybe, God, do you care that my kid has a tumor? God, do you care that, that I don't have a job? God, do you care that my grandfather has cancer? God, do you care that my teenager is cutting herself? God, do you care that I'm lonely? God, do you care that I'm depressed? If you've ever felt that tension between faith and fear, you're in good company. If you ever wondered, God... I know what I believe, but I'm wondering, do you care? You're in good company. The very first followers of Jesus had those same thoughts. They had those same struggles. Now let's see how Jesus responded in verse 39. This is where it really gets good. In verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Where it says the wind died down it's completely calm, the, the Greek language there is in the aorist tense and it, it means immediate action. It, it, there, in other words, the result was the, the result of the command was instantaneous. This was not a natural gradual dying down of the wind. This was not a natural gradual dying down of the storm. It was immediate calm in the midst of a furious storm. This was an absolute, unbelievable miracle. The Living Bible describes it this way. It says, and the wind fell and there was great calm. But I like the message translation even better. The message says, the wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. Isn't it interesting that the winds and the waves obey him immediately, but we are the ones who hesitate. Now notice that after Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, he did something else. He turned and he rebuked the disciples. Verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Notice that word still. Do you still have no faith. In other words, after all that we've, you've seen me do, after all that you've heard me teach, after all the time that we've spent together, after all the miracles you've seen me perform, why are you still afraid? Why is it that you still have no faith? Everybody listen to me. You see, the greatest danger to the disciples was not the wind and the waves. The greatest danger to the disciples was the unbelief that was in their heart. as they struggled between faith and fear, Jesus wasn't concerned about the wind or the waves. He was concerned about what was going on in their heart. Now, these don't, don't forget, these are the guys who had enough faith to leave their boats and their nets and their families to follow Jesus. These are the ones who were willing to take this tremendous step of faith and follow Him and become fishermen of men. These are men who... We're men of great faith. And yet they find themselves in the middle of this great storm and suddenly their fear takes over. As I looked at that, I realized that sometimes our greatest struggle is not what's happening around us. Our greatest struggle is what's happening within us. That's where we struggle the most, isn't it? What's around us is scary. But what happens within us that's really where the struggle is. I've got to ask you a question. I, want, I really want you to think about this. If you were in that boat and in the middle of that violent storm, and I can't paint the picture for you as bad as it was, but this storm it was busting the boat and about to flood the boat, and you're rocking this way and that way, if you're in the middle of this violent storm, and all of a sudden Jesus says, be still, and all of a sudden the wind runs out of breath, and the water is like glass. How do you think you would respond? Would you be excited? Would you be thankful? Nope. I don't think that's the, the exact answer. I think the, the way you respond is this you'd be terrified. Again, I'm not making this up, this is right here in the scripture. Look how they responded. Verse 41. They were terrified. Wait a minute. He just made the water smooth as glass. And they were terrified. I think you would have been too. Watch this. They were terrified in the storm. Now they're terrified of the one who can speak to the storm and calm it down. And you would be too. I mean, let's, let's try to put it on, on these terms. Have you ever tried to change the weather? You ever had any, any luck with that? I, we were in Boston last week. Nor'eastern came through, if you didn't hear about it, while we were up there. We had to walk 20 miles uphill both ways every time we went somewhere. And we did a lot of walking. And the, seriously, some days the wind was, at least one day I remember, it was 40 to 60 miles an hour. It was rainy most of the time. It was cold. I would love to have stood there in front of my group and said, wind, stop blowing. Sun, start shining. Rain, stop falling. It would be great if I had that kind of power, but if I tried that, guess what? I wouldn't be here today. I'd still be locked up somewhere up in Boston. No man can do that. No person has control over the weather. In fact, the scripture teaches us that. Uh, let me find the verses for you. John 3.8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. we got no control over that. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Ecclesiastes 8.8 8 says, no one has power over the wind to contain it. Oh, we can forecast the weather, but that's about the best we could do. We can forecast the weather, but we can't change it. And Jesus got up and did what no man could do. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and they obeyed him. It was completely calm. And when they saw Jesus do what no man could do, when they saw that not only can he cast out the demons, he can calm the waves. Look what they said in verse 41. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Who is this? Now they thought they knew who He was. That's the reason they left their, their nets and their boats and their family. They, they, they understood, maybe on an elementary level, who He was, but each time they saw Him do something else, their knowledge of Him grew. Their faith in Him grew. Their, their awareness of, of His divinity began to grow. It began to expand And that's the purpose behind this miracle. He wants them to wrestle with this question. Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. And we all have to wrestle with that question, don't we? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The disciples said, even the winds and the waves obey Him. Now, this story has great significance, I think, for us in three different ways. Let me give you those three applications. Here's a, I want you to write these down. And, and at least for this first one, maybe for all of them, but, but at least for this first one, when I give you this first application, I, I, I would just like you to say a reverent amen. All right? This story has great significance. Here's the first, first application. The power of God is not ordinary. It is different from any other power we know about. Amen? One of the lessons from this text is that the power of God is not ordinary. If you're feeling the tension between fear and faith in the storm that you are in, you need to remember that God has power that's greater than yours. Now, I wish I could promise you that everything will turn out the way you want it to. I wish I could promise you that, that all your prayers will be answered exactly the way that you pray them. You and I know that's not exactly the way it works. But it still doesn't change the fact that the power of God is greater and different from any other power. It's not ordinary. He has power you and I don't have. And we all want to see the power of God in our lives, don't we? However, most of the time... We want it to come in untroubled, peaceful, calm circumstances. That's when we want to experience the power of God. Untroubled, calm, peaceful circumstances. That's the way we want to experience the power of God. But but many times the place you experience the greatest power of God is in the greatest storms. Lesson number two is this. Jesus is not only Lord of your life, he is also Lord of the storm in your life. You see, if the disciples learned anything that day when they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. They learned this. Everything is under His control. Everything. Not just disease. Not just the demons. They, they'd seen Him do those miracles. But When they saw Him speak to the wind and the waves and the winds and the waves obeyed Him, they suddenly realized Everything. Is under his control. You see, God can not only calm the storm we are in, but praise the Lord, he can also calm us in the storm. I saw a sign recently that said, Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. That's real peace, the presence of God. Lesson number three we all desperately need Jesus. I don't believe that anyone can solve the problems of their life without Jesus Christ. How about you? If you're going through problems today, if you're in storms today in your life, I want you to know something. You can try as best as you can to fight that storm and to make it through that storm. I don't think anybody can solve the problems of this life without Jesus Christ. He is the one who can bring us through every situation. And when you experience, watch this, please watch this, when you experience that tension between Faith and fear, what you know about God and what you experience in life, and when that fear starts pulling at your faith, here's what you need to do. You need to let go of your fear. Now watch this. What Satan wants you to do in that tension is to let go of God. And he's tried to convince you that God doesn't care. God's not there. And you just need to let go of God. Stop believing that stuff. But in that tension, which is very real, in that tension between faith and fear, if we've learned anything from this story, it would be this. Why are you still afraid? Let go of your fear. Bethel has a song. I'd love to, to sing the whole thing for you, but I'm not going to put you through that. But one line of the song, is the song is called It Is Well. And one line of the song says this, So let go, my soul, and trust in Him. The waves and the wind still know His name. I love that. The waves and the wind still know His name. Came across a testimony. I've got to find it here. Came across a testimony that you're going to want to hear. Be patient with me. It's a little bit long, but it is worth the read. It, it was a letter that was sent to Billy Graham's Decision Magazine, personal testimony of this person. I don't know if it's a man or woman because they just listed their initials. They did not put their name. But I'm just going to read it to you. You'll, get, you'll understand why. For a long time, I had been bitter about life. It seemed to have dealt me a dirty blow. For since I was 12 years old, I've been waiting for death to close in on me. It was at that time I learned I had muscular dystrophy. I fought hard against this disease and exercised hard, but to no avail. I only grew weaker. All I could see was what I had missed. My friends went away to college, then got married and started having families of their own. And when I lay in bed at night, thinking, despair would creep from the dark corners to haunt me. Life was meaningless. In March of last year, my mother brought home from our public library Billy Graham's book, World of Flame. I started reading it, and as I read it, I realized that I wanted God. I wanted there to be a meaning to my life. I wanted to receive his deep faith, this deep faith and peace. All I know is that now my life has changed, and now I have a joy I didn't have before. I have joy in living. No longer is the universe chaotic. No longer does life have no goal. No longer is there no hope. There is instead this quote, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, end quote. I continue to grow weaker. I'm so close to being totally helpless, and I am in pain most of the time. Sometimes I'm so glad that I'm alive, it's hard to keep myself from bursting at the seams. I can see for the first time the beauty all around me, and I realize how very lucky I am. Now listen to this last sentence. Despair is such a waste of time when there is joy. And lack of faith is such a waste of time when there is God. is that good? Lack of faith is such a waste of time when there is God. That's why Jesus turned to these disciples and he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Why are you so afraid? Why are you struggling so? time for you, it's time for me it's time for us to let go of the fear and to say God I still trust you and I always will by the way did you know that there is a similar story to this one in the Old Testament no not the story of Jonah it's probably in a place that you may not even realize it it was there There's a similar story in the book of Psalms. Would you go to Psalm 107? Psalm 107. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 23. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants in the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' ends. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Call to your attention, verse 28. In fact, I'd like for you just to bow your heads as I read this verse to you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you listen to this verse again? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. Maybe it's time for you to do what the disciples did in the days of Jesus or what the psalmist wrote about here. Maybe it's time to cry out to the Lord in your trouble and remember His unfailing love. I can't deny what you're going through or what you've been through. I I can't explain, perhaps, the issues of the storm that you're in. But there is a power greater than ours. God has a power you and I don't have. And sometimes we need to declare our faith in Him and turn to Him and say, Lord, would you speak to this storm and tell it to be still? You did it in the Old Testament for the psalmist. Lord, you did it for the disciples in the book of Mark. Will you do it in my life? Would you speak to my storm and tell it to be still? Lord, today my faith is in you. God, I pray for folks who perhaps are struggling in that tension between fear and faith. I pray, O oh God, that they'll let go of the fear, holding on to their faith, and trust you in the midst of the storm, to do what they can't do. Still the storms around us. Show us your power and give us peace in the midst of the storm. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.